Hi there, this is Chris Walter. I'm the pastor of New Beginnings Church, and this is our weekly sermon podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope this inspires you to grow in your faith and causes you to see God in your life in a new way. Enjoy the message. Our first reading this morning, we pick up in the 29th verse of chapter 1 of the Gospel of Mark. Hear these words. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not prevent the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. Our second reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew in the sixth chapter, as we pick up in verse 5 through 15. Here we hear Jesus speaking regarding prayer. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For you, if you forgive others for trespasses, our Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Last week we began this series on being still, in which... I touched on the fact that God and Jesus himself calls us to be silent, to find solitude, because we live in a world that is hectic, that is busy, and all of that distracts us, whether we like it or not, from spending time with Jesus, time that we all need, quality time at the foot of the cross. We continue this conversation, and as we look at our passages this morning, both of the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Matthew, we are reminded again of this solitude that Jesus sought constantly in his ministry. We began as we saw that he went 40 days of silence and solitude in the desert. But throughout his ministry, he is constantly seeking, withdrawing to these places of solitude. Why? Because there he knows his heavenly Father is always present. There he is strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus was constantly being called, constantly being requested to share the gospel, 
to touch lives, to provide healing and hope to those in need. Yet the question remains, why solitude? Why silence? Because if we read our passages this morning, we can clearly hear that Christ is telling us to go into a place of emptiness, a place where no one can get to you, no one can distract you. That is where, he says, you should be praying. Yet throughout even my ministry, I've had many tell me when I've asked, where do you pray the most? They'll say, well, I pray in my car on my way to work in the morning. Or we pray at supper or at breakfast or both. That should be fine. Some will say, I pray even at work. I heard once from a church member, she would say, I pray every time I go into the grocery store. Now, I thought that was a little odd, so I asked why. And she said, well, to be honest with you, I always want to pray that my Diet Coke is on sale this day and I can buy more. And I remember telling her, well, I guess that's okay, but you really should not drink Diet Coke. It's bad for you. She said, well, that's why, that's why when I pray to leave, I say, God, thank you. And I said, why do you thank God when you leave the grocery store? Because he gave me the courage to buy it, whether it was on sale or not. I said, okay. And the truth is, we can pray anywhere we go in life. We, we can truly find time with Christ. We can pray in the car. We can pray at work. We can pray in the park. We can pray anywhere. Because Christ is everywhere listening to us. Yet the purpose of why he talks about this in both Mark and in Matthew and throughout his ministry of retreating to solitude, retreating to a place of silence, is because Jesus knew, Jesus experienced, and I think we all can attest, that there is distractions in life. We can get started and the phone rings. We can get started and we realize we're hungry and we should go fix supper or we realize all of a sudden as we start to pray, oh, I'm supposed to be somewhere. I need to rush this through and get to where I need to get so I'm not late. A writer of a book called Secrets of the Secret Place, Bob Sore, writes this. He says, hell will do everything in its power to misrepresent and distort the extraordinary delight of this dynamic reality. This present world system, he writes, is strategically designed to squeeze out your time and energy for this secret place. He's referring to this place where God resides, where God is in always present, where we can go and sit with him and turn everything off to just be present with God. He goes on to say, he says, even the church usually focuses its best energies on getting the saints busy all the time. There seems to be relatively few believers whose secret life with God is so vibrantly life-giving that it kindles a contagious desire in others to follow their example. Even the church at times forgets the solitude and silence that is needed for prayer. The Gospel of Mark that we heard this morning talks about the busyness of Jesus' day. This is just one example. But here in that first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is 
getting through this very long and tiresome day. And maybe you can relate to that. But as he goes through this day, he starts off by entering the house of Simon and Andrew. And there with him is James and John. He goes and he tells them just before this, you need to follow me. And so they decide to follow them. These, the first four of his disciples. And they arrive in a town called Capernaum. And here Jesus goes to the synagogue to teach. That's all. As he's teaching, he realizes that the people there are shocked. They're shocked by what he is saying. They don't understand that Jesus is the true authority, the true son of God. They can't understand this. And so they begin to ask Jesus question after question after question, trying to understand what is going on. Why are you telling us this? And then Jesus is approached by a man, by an individual, who comes to him and he says to Jesus, well, hold on a minute. Hold on a second, Jesus. You, you, you come into the synagogue to teach us. You come to talk to us. And yet, in the midst of all this, in the midst of all this, I can't understand what's going on. Because are you here to destroy us, he says? I know you're from God, the man says. I realized this as I listened and heard your voice. And Jesus stops him and he says, be silent, be quiet, still yourself, he really tells him. But he's not talking to the man. He's talking to the evil spirit within the man, the unclean spirit. He says, come out of him. And out of the man comes this unclean spirit. See, the man was challenging, the evil spirit challenging Jesus. And even as Jesus does this miracle, the crowds that are in the synagogue can't wrap their mind around what they've just witnessed. And maybe for you and me, we've challenged Jesus in a similar way. We've not trusted who Jesus truly is. And that trust prevents us from going to him and having that conversation with him about what's going on in our lives. And that challenge may not be directly to Jesus, but we might have excuses we might say, well, you know, I'd go to Jesus every day, but I don't really know how to talk to him. I don't know how to pray to Jesus. Or we might say, I pray over my food at supper time. I mean, and Jesus knows what's in my heart, so I really don't need to articulate that in words out loud. And that's good enough. I hear a prayer on Sunday morning once a week. That covers me for the week. I'm all good. I don't need to stop and pray. Some might even say, well, I've never really been a person of prayer. Starting now is going to be tough. The one I like to hear all the time is that, you know, life's good. I don't really have anything to talk to God about. I'm, I'm okay. I'm happy. What do I need to pray? And it's all of this that we go to Christ in, these excuses we even take to Jesus. And it's just like 
the crowd in the synagogue, astonished that Jesus is the authority who we need to go to time and time again. The truth is we're not honest with ourselves, are we? We say we want to pray every day. We might even tell others we pray every day, but yet the truth is we know in our hearts that we don't pray enough, that we fall short. And maybe you are one that prays every day in silence, in the solitude of your home, and that's great. And I encourage you to continue that. But how do we then share that? How do we bring others into that mix? Our passage had gone on and it talks about they leave the synagogue and enter the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And there is Simon's mother-in-law in in bed with a fever. Jesus comes to her side, lifts her up and the fever lifts her and he begins to share the gospel with them. That evening, all of these folks come to Jesus, the sick, the possessed. The whole city gathers at his feet, asking for him to cure them, to heal them. Because they realize he's the son of God. But in all of this, Jesus realizes, in all of this, there needs to be silence. This is why in verse 25 we hear Jesus' first words at the beginning of this day, be silent, be still. Because it is there where there are no distractions. It is there that the speech of the world takes pause. As I mentioned last Sunday, that silence, that solitude is needed in our lives because without it, the world will constantly tell us to go one way, pull us in a direction that exhausts us, wears us down time and time again. Yet here Jesus tells the world to stop. To just stop. to get away from this distraction. And in this passage in the Gospel of Mark, it says in verse 35, in the morning, while it was still very dark outside, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there, there he prayed. There in the silence of the night, in an early morning hour, when the stars were still in the sky, where there was no one else but Jesus and his heavenly Father. There he prayed. The passage in Mark goes on because it tells us that Simon and his friends all go to find him. They even eventually will find Jesus and say to him, Where have you been? Why did you leave? Everyone's looking for you. Jesus never answers. All he tells tells Simon and his companions is, It's time to go. It's time to continue on. Because Jesus at this point has been strengthened by the Holy Spirit, by his heavenly Father, to go forth. When we turn to the Gospel of Matthew, we hear Jesus describing, as it opens up in verse 5, he says, Now, whenever you do pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love, for they love to stand and pray in public 
in the synagogues, on the street corners. Now this isn't Jesus saying that corporate prayer is not important, that the body of Christ coming together in prayer shouldn't happen. The word hypocrite here in this fifth verse is to describing an actor, someone who is fake. In the ancient Greek world, those who acted were considered to be hypocrites. Not in a bad sense, but in a sense that the world didn't know who they truly were. They had a mask on, so we couldn't see them. So Jesus says to you, do not be an actor when you pray. Do not pray with a false heart. He's really telling you. But pray from the heart, with your heart. And just let the words come. Don't worry about the message or how you say it. Don't worry about those big, fancy church words you got to throw around when you pray. Just talk from the heart with him. If we do that, if we just talk from our heart, sometimes we're going to yell at God. Sometimes we're going to cry. We're going to feel empty and alone. But when it all comes from the heart, I, I believe Jesus will enter us. He'll hear us. He'll penetrate your heart and fill it with a, with a joy. Don't hold on to it. Just let it out there for him. He goes on in Matthew to talk about the place that you need to go and pray. He says in verse 6, Whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Now the room he's describing is a room away from the world. There's no windows in this room. It's just like a closet in your house. He says, go into there and shut the door. The reason Jesus describes this as the place to pray is because in that space there are no distractions. In that place there is no windows to stare out into the world and see the beauty. It's just you and him. It's just you and the Heavenly Father. You close the door and those things that are right there in your own house to remind you of things you need to do for the day. Maybe there's a smell of, oh, supper's cooking, I need to go eat. Or maybe you see bills on the table and you know you need to pay those or they just give you anxiety. Whatever it is, Jesus says, close the door to all of that and open your hearts. Open your hearts and pray to your Father who is in secret. Now, it's not saying that the secret is that you can't find God only in a dark, cold inner room. But they reminding us that, that sometimes we have to go to the places where we think God is not at. Because it is there in that place, in that secret place, where God is at, where we will hear him very clearly. We will feel his presence without a doubt. It is there in that place of secret where God is listening. It is away from the world, away from the distractions. 
Now, the truth is we could train ourselves to go to God in any number of places. We can pray in every place around us. But Jesus says this is something special, a place in your house, if you will, where there is no distractions. Now, maybe for you, that can be somewhere else. Maybe for you, that could be on a park bench at the park. Maybe for you, that's sitting on a chair in a room that has nothing but your Bible and a lamp. Maybe for you, that is that one place in your life where you can go and turn everything off. That is what Jesus is pushing us to do, challenging us to do. And if that's difficult for you, that's okay. He gives us you instructions on how to get to that place. I've had many folks tell me they have a special corner in their house. They don't have, they don't have extra rooms to do this in. So they'll put a chair in a corner of a room and that is their chair of prayer. And whenever they sit there, whenever they sit there, they know and those around them and their family know that, well, they're praying, leave them be. That's a chair of prayer. That anyone sits there should pray and everyone should leave them alone. Maybe that for you is that. The other things to do as we go to God in prayer is to set up, I guess you could say, a rhythm. Maybe for you, it's the first thing you do when you get up, you go and you sit somewhere in your house and you set a timer that for five minutes you're going to pray. And you're just going to talk to God from your heart. You're just going to tell him what's going on, your stresses, your worries. Maybe for you, it's, it's having a journal and your Bible sitting there with you. And as you pray, you make notes. And thoughts as you talk to God. And after the five or ten minutes go by, you stop, give thanks to the Father, and go on with your day. Maybe you do that twice a day, once in the morning or once at night. Maybe for you it's sitting in a chair outside, regardless of the weather. But that's where you will go whenever you need to be with Christ. To be with the Heavenly Father. Maybe for you it's a walk. You leave your phone at home. You leave everything at home. And you just go for a walk. And while you walk, you talk with God. You never know. You may end up praying for neighbors you have never prayed for before. Maybe for you it's, it's finding a way to come into this place. When it's empty. Where there's no one here. And sitting in one of these pews and just having it out with the Father. But wherever it is, whenever it might be, it's knowing that God is listening to you and that you are listening to God, trusting that God will provide. God will answer all your prayers. There's a story of a, of a, a pastor named F.B. Meyer, and, and he was asked by a captain of an ocean liner to come on board as they toured, and one day he said, would you pray or would you offer a conversation with the guests about, about answered prayers? And so he agreed, and he stood before this crowd and he spoke. At the end of his presentation, a gentleman came to him and he said, sir, I'm an agnostic. 
and I really struggle with your message. He said, I honestly, I don't buy any of it. That afternoon, Myers decided that he was going to go speak to another class of those on the ocean liner. He's going to go down into the belly of the ship. As he went down, this agnostic heard that he was going to speak to this second group, and he thought to himself, I'm going to go and, and hear him speak. And so as he walked down, he noticed that there was a lady sitting on a chair with her eyes closed and her hands open like this. As the gentleman passed by, he realized that he had fruit in, her, in his pockets. And he decided that I'm just going to give them to her. And I won't tell her why. And so he sets them in her hands. And he goes on and he hears the story. After Mr. Myers spoke, he was passing back by and he noticed the lady sitting there again. And she had a smile on her face, was eating these oranges. And he stopped and he said, ma'am, I, I see you're enjoying these oranges. And she said, oh, they are so delicious. She said, my father is so good to me. And he says, your father says, ma'am, you must be in your 70s. Your father cannot still be alive. And she says, oh, he's very much alive. He didn't understand. He says, I, I, I don't understand. She says, oh, I've been sick for several days. And so I decided to sit on this chair in the silence of the rocking of the boat and pray to God, to my father. I just asked if he could see it in his heart somehow to send me an orange to help me with my seasickness. I would be so grateful. And she said, when I woke, I found not one, but two. The gentleman was speechless. The story goes on to say that later on, after more conversations with Myers, he would eventually accept Christ in his life. All because someone shared the results of an answered prayer. Of how through the silence of a conversation with Jesus, God responded. And for all of us, my hope over this year, my hope for you this week, is that you will find that place in your home or in this community where you can go and just sit in silence with God. Just lay out your entire life, your hearts, your soul, your brokenness, your hurting, even your joy to him. Because he's going to be listening to you. He's going to be listening to your still voice.